This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. We're putting up new buildings, we're knocking down the old. We're working in the summer heat and in the winter cold. And the labour power we sell me boys for a hard and weekly pay Produces mighty profits for the greedy MBA And whether we were born here or born in Italy In Greece, in Spain or Ireland, in England or Fiji We all of us are workers, united we must stand until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land. We faced deregistration, it backfired in the face. We're not fooled by arbitration, we won't stay in our place. We hit the bosses hard and fast to win and keep our gains, and break a couple of concrete fours to back our lug of claims. So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high It's glass to glass and face to face, our limit is the sky We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed Our builder's labour is a name to make a man feel proud Good morning, sisters and brothers. Happy International Women's Day to all our construction women and extended families. The Concrete Girls Gang wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today, in particular, we pay honour and respect to our Indigenous mothers and sisters. We also extend our solidarity to our sisters around the world. Today and every day, we stand united in our common struggles for fairness, dignity, respect and equality. Okay, gang, who have we got around the table? I'm Eilish. I'm Sam. I'm Peggy. Hi, and I'm um, Manali. Before we kick off today, and we're going to chat about uh, licensing of trades and women in politics, so I think it's worth reflecting on the significance of today. International Women's Day is a very important day on the union calendar. This day has been celebrated for over 112 years. In fact, in 1908, garment workers, women workers, in fact, went on strike and they strike, They were on strike for three months and they rallied on the 8th of March 1908 demanding safer workplaces, better pay and conditions. Does that ring a bell to anybody? And we're still mm-hmm. doing that. It's worth picking up a copy of the latest uh, Workers' Solidarity Bulletin. There's a really good historical read on International Women's Day. I'd also like to give a shout-out to the CFMU sisters who participated in a variety of events during this week's Raw Fest. The bad weather didn't seem to deter a few thousand men and women who took part on the streets of Melbourne last night at the IWD rally and congratulations to the organisers of that event. Just a quick reminder, Wimdoy sisters, we're organising a fundraising movie night on March 26. Kids are welcome. We hope to see you there. See from your officers. It's level seven, straight after work, but be sure to register. We're going to be joined by our sisters from the RTBU, ETU, an MUA, and it's a fundraiser to try and get a um, woman from Asia-Pacific country to a, a conference in Spain later in the year. 
So, okay, Peggy, um, might talk about licensing of trades. What's the latest on that? So good morning, brothers and sisters. Um, there will be some big changes for our tradespeople over the next couple of years, and it's something that the CFMEU has been lobbying for for a very long time. So last year, after lots of lobbying, the state government passed legislation to licence the trades in our classifications. So like plumbers and like electricians, carpenters, plasterers, bricklayers, tilers, all the trades that we cover will eventually be licensed in a similar way to those of the electricians and the plumbers. So last year they passed the legislation that made this possible and this year they're working on regulations. So the regulations will give the detail of the system. And in short, the carpenters are going to be the first cabs off the rank. So carpenters get ready to um, fill in an application form. Uh, you will have the, the regulation should be in place by September this year and be enacted in uh, 2021. And what a carpenter will need to do in 2021 is make an application for a licence. They'll have 12 months to do that. Uh, after that, they will receive a provisional licence and that licence will be valid for five years. So in all, our, carp our current carpenters will have up to six years to obtain qualifications if they don't already have them and to make um, a, an application for a full uh, licence of, uh, to work in carpentry. At the same time as our carpenters are doing that for, as workers, uh, companies that deal in, for example, carpentry work will have to register with the um, Victorian Building Authority to be able to carry out that work and they will have to employ licensed carpenters. So it's a really big change um, but we think that it will be a really, a really big step ahead for our members and our tradespeople. After the carpenters' system has been put in place in the next 12 months, then the, it will be rolled out to bricklayers and plasterers and our other trades. So we haven't got all the details of the system. That's what's going to be thrashed out in the next six months or so. We want your views. The CFMU wants your views so that we can feed that into the, uh, into the regulations. There will be a lot of people who have been working in the industry for a very long time in these trades but who don't have formal qualifications. And I guess our message to you is don't panic. Um, we'll be right behind you and we'll be working to make sure that the skills that you have and the knowledge that you have over, those year, over the years that you've been working in the industry is recognised. So we're going to take a step-by-step -step approach and we're going to be making sure that our members are advantaged by this, not disadvantaged. And we're looking forward to that. And I, I, I think it's a really important step forward for our industry and I think the CFMU is uh, to be really congratulated on the efforts that it's made to, to get this across the line. At the moment we have more work in, the, in, in Victoria than um, virtually you can poke a stick at. It's almost impossible to get across the city without um, being held up by... Um, by works that are going on and that's fantastic but at a time when we've got such a lot of work going on we have decreasing numbers of, of people going into apprenticeships so our young people are not getting apprenticeships there's something like an 11 percent decline in apprenticeships at a time when we've got more work um, than we've ever had and of those of those young people that are doing apprenticeships 19 percent increase in those that are not completing so we've got not only less people 
coming into apprenticeships, but we've got even less of those completing than we had a couple of years ago. So it's pretty grim, and we're hoping that the licensing of the trades is going to turn that around. So, employers, it's time to start thinking about putting on apprentices. Uh, Peggy, tell us why there's such a decline uh, uh, apprentices aren't finishing their time. What, is there a reason for that? Look, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but one of the reasons uh, which relates to the licensing of the trades is that there's absolutely no incentive to get qualified. Mm. And so if you can um, do this work without having a qualification, then why would you go through four years of training on a reduced wage when there's no financial benefit to you to do that? Of course, the reason why our apprentices do what they do is because they want skills and they want quality and they're committed to the industry. And just on that note, um, the CFMU has done some work over the last five years to put together a pretty good carpentry apprenticeship program for commercial carpentry. As many people will know, that um, the, the, the curriculum for carpentry is around, centred around domestic carpentry and there hasn't been a lot for commercial. And the CFMU has 15 lucky pre-apps who get to do a program with us each year and then they're with us for the next three years while they complete their apprenticeship. How many have we completed so far? We're on to our sixth intake. But as I say, it's only 15 per year, so it's a pretty it's a pretty elite little group that get to do that. But they're all connected to the industry. They all have, um, you know, family members who have put them into the course. And um, they come out as really skilled carpenters. They, they, their pre-app is, is uh, 25. How many women um, have completed the pre-apprenticeship um, course and how many currently? Look, very much um, in line with the statistics in the industry. In the first intakes, there were there was less than one percent of um, the course uh, were women. Now this year, we are really pleased to, to say that a third of the intake are women. So we've had a big increase in the number of women, and and that of course is is because of the great work that the women's officer at the CFMEU has been um, carrying out over the last couple of years. And we're really seeing a change. We've got a mobile crane uh, traineeship happening this year, and um, there's um, 40% of the candidates in there are, are women as oh, well. Oh, that's a fantastic so result. Big changes. And at a time when we're trying to um, narrow that wage gap, between men and women's wages. And it's not that um, if you're on the same classification that you um, you receive the same wage, but women aren't getting into those, haven't been traditionally getting into those higher levels of classification and those higher skill levels, and that's where we're seeing the change, and that's really exciting. We have with us, in fact, one of those women uh, who is doing our pre-app, and her name is Samantha, and she's going to tell you a little bit about what brought her into carpentry. Yay. Um, so I'm Sam. Um, I've been, uh, it's my first chance um, into the carpentry interest, uh, industry. Um, I've grown up doing stuff in the garage with my dad and um, I've done a diploma of sport, nothing I want to do um, career-wise. So I'm taking a different chance at different industries. So yeah, I'm really excited to finish this year with my pre-apprenticeship and then hopefully yeah, move on into my um, apprenticeship. 
Yeah, good on you, Sam. Well, thanks, Sam, for the um, update in terms of the um, licensing of trades. And I think it's in, what, what key message there is for those existing tradies that don't have a formal qualification as such, the key message is don't, don't panic. And, um, Sam, uh, I look forward to seeing your skills develop over a, um, your period of time at the training unit. And certainly I wish you a really long and successful career in the construction industry. Thank you. Thanks for coming today, Sam. Um, Before we go to a song, today, like no other, we must acknowledge the beautiful souls, 70 women who have been killed by violence in Australia since the last International Women's Day. That's a horrendous number of women. We honour their lives by fighting to end all forms of violence against women. I fear There's rage and terror And there's sickness here I fight because I have to I fight for us to know the truth There's not enough rope to tie me down There's not enough tape to shut this mouth The stones you throw can make me bleed But I won't stop until we're free Wild hearts can't be broken Wild hearts can't be broken This is my rally cry This is a battle I must win To want my share is not a sin There's not enough rope to tie me down There's not enough tape to shut this mouth Stones you throw can make me bleed But I won't stop until we're free Cause wild hearts can't be broken No, wild hearts can't be broken You beat me, betray me You're losing, we're winning My spirit above me You cannot deny me
Eilish, women in pol- politics, tell us more. <laughs> um, well, a woman's place is in Parliament House, as we like to say. Um, <clears throat> just as a woman's place is in her union. Uh, what would you like to know specifically about women in politics? Um, what's the relationship between what's the relationship between unions and the Labor Party, Eilish? Ah, okay, that's a good question. Um, so the Labor Party is the political wing of the union movement. Um, I guess a good way to think about that is the union movement gave birth to the ALP, if you will, <laughs> which is also a bit of a terrifying thought. Um, but, uh, yeah, the unions have an opportunity or built into Labor Party structures um, have opportunities to influence how the party votes, who's pre-selected and things like that. And um, if you look at any record of who's representing the Labor Party, there's a lot of unions in there. And increasingly we're seeing more and more women. Um, and the role that women play in the union movement and in the ALP is really, really important. And that relationship is really important to increasing women's representation in politics. So, Alish, what are some of the challenges that women face in the um, Labor Party and being a, a member of the party? And what steps are the Labor Party taking to increase the participation in women of women in the in the party and in influential positions within mm-hmm. the party? Um, good question. I want to say, then you know, they're doing a lot of work, but there's never enough. No, no, no. That's not fair to say. Um, well, unlike other parties and not necessarily around the world but other parties in Australia, the Labor Party actually um, kind of facilitates or um, systematically addresses representation of women in politics. Um, For example, there's rules around affirmative action and having a minimum number of women uh, being represented on committees and boards and all those kinds of places where women get exposure um, to, you know, be able to be better represented in the party and to look to get those positions in the party. Um, it's probably important to note, though, the, the issues that women face in politics, and in particular, you know, any body party, really, um, but specifically the Labor Party, or, you know, it, it's the same things we face everywhere. It's about finding space. It's about taking up space. It's about being determined. Um, you know, the more women we see putting up their hands to force change, the more change we see, but it's it's a bloody battle, let's be honest. And, I mean, it's not just a role for women to play, it's also a role for men to play. We need men to be willing to provide that space um, and we need men out there to be willing to back women up. Um, it's not always obvious, you know, the challenges that women face. I mean, there are heaps. Like, take a look at Tanya Plibersek. Was, um, everyone thought that she would become the next leader of the Labor Party after the... Uh, shock loss of the election in 2019 um but yeah uh, that didn't happen and that was because she has three young children all of which she's given birth to while she spent time in politics but just when she was ready to become leader and everyone was backing her to become leader she didn't have that opportunity and it was because of her role because of her role as a mother let's face it as a woman um and there was a lot of pressure put on to tanya and a lot of pressure about you know how is she a good woman for you know yeah, if for not, um, for, is she a better mother because she's not going into leadership or how can she, she – clearly she's not a good mother if she can't balance the two, my goodness. Um, but, you know, you never hear those discussions around like, you know, bloody 
If anyone remembers Christopher Pine, he was a Liberal Party MP. He had like six children while he was in politics. Um, and yeah, those conversations were never there. I mean, when Bill Shorten took over leadership at the Labor Party, he had a three-year-old child, I believe. Um, so yeah, but that's okay because they can they're, they're supported by. <laughs> women who do all of the caring responsibilities of course so yeah the challenges that women face in politics is it mirrors where we face challenges everywhere but I mean saying that it's also worth acknowledging the opportunities though that the union movement does present to women um, in entering politics and I mean if you become active in your union and you want to represent you know uh, your fellow workers it's a perfect breeding ground to um find yourself in politics and it's really really important that um we have more women coming into politics and you know come through the union movement represent the people that you work with and put your hand up to then represent the people that you know live around you in your local electorate and things like that so yeah it's a really important relationship there are a lot of challenges there it's crazy but there are also a lot of opportunities if women are backed up and given that space so eilish what is emily's list Ah, Emily's List. That's a great question. So Emily's List is actually an organisation that comes from the United States. It's an acronym. Um, Early money is like yeast. It's a funny acronym, actually. But um, Emily's List raise money to support women who want to enter politics. Um, And, you know, they're not... They don't necessarily support any particular party. It's it's purely gender-based. And it's true, early money is like yeast. If you can get in there early and support women, um, then they will rise and they will grow. And it's Emily's List is a movement of women and it's a really great example of where women support other women um, and get together and... You know, again, it's yeah, it's money, but it's also about empowerment and, you know, helping to train one another and find those spaces and things like that. So, yeah, it's a really important organisation. The work that they do is really important. So, yeah, and it, also I suppose it's worth thinking about the powers of networks and, again, that comes back to the union movement. Alicia, the Labor Party hasn't always supported the work of the CFMEU. Mm-hmm. Um, how how can we improve their capacity to listen to what our members need? Awesome question. Um, a lot of that... Well, OK, it's an awesome question, but it's also a difficult question. Um, politics is a blood sport. <laughs> There's a lot of people who these days grow up just wanting to be politicians rather than necessarily wanting to represent um, represent other people and, you know, in our circumstances, working class people and things like that. But, yeah, it's the Labor Party doesn't have a great history with the CFMEU. Um, well, I suppose the BLF more importantly. But, I mean, fuck, the Labor Party doesn't actually have a great history with a lot of social movements sometimes Um, and that's why it's really important that the union movement is really present and has a voice in the Labor Party to hold the party accountable and remind the party that why it exists. Um, I mean, oh gosh, we could go on about this forever. Um, (laughs) But what we need to do to kind of be making, what we need to do to influence and make sure that the party does think about the union movement is be active, have a voice, hold our um, politicians accountable. And I am conscious that this is public radio and we have had some good politicians out there and there is a lot of work being done out there, especially, you know, around WorkSafe and things like that. And we do acknowledge that work. But 
Um, there's still a long way to go. And again, yeah, it's about taking up space, having a voice, being active, just like how a union represents its members. You can't be quiet in a union and have representation. You need to be loud. You need to put your hand up. You need to get out there. You need to have conversations. You need to take up space. Um, and that's going to be really important with the Ensuring Integrity Bill that's in federal politics at the moment. I mean, that's very much a Liberal Party um, policy. And obviously the Labor Party is not supporting that. However, I mean, when Gillard was elected um, uh, after the, you know, uh, what was that? almost 10 years ago now, um, after the Your Rights at Work campaign, we didn't see a perfect industrial relations system come in either. Um, so we need to make sure that we are constantly campaigning and have our voice going out there and that we have a system that actually works for workers. Absolutely. Eileen, you've n- nailed it. We need to keep our politicians... Um, <laughs> Accountable, absolutely, because it's it's the the workers of this country that elect mm-hmm. elect the Labor Party in. That's for sure. Um, in keeping with, uh, con- thanks very much, Eilish, um, for that update. No I look forward to seeing more um, constru- construction women possibly um, <laughs> elected into politics and make a difference. So thanks very much. Um, but um, in concrete gang tradition, um, has anyone got a scully of the week? Scallywag of the week. Well, I thought Bettina Arndt might be a candidate. (laughs) Good good choice. And I I think that anyone that tries to make any sort of um, excuse for torching a family, uh, a mother and her children, is just completely out there. It's really indescribable. So I think that you don't really have to say much more than that, really, in terms of... um, of, of, And that that some people have actually given her the space and the time is incredible. Absolutely. She's my vote for... I think Scallywag's a bit mild. Oh, to say the least, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, um... Unfortunately, I think we're running out of time. So thanks to my girl gang this morning. Um, I'd like to give a special shout-out to TT, who unfortunately couldn't make it today. Thanks for the music. And in TT's shout-out to the Concrete Gang audience, she'd like to say, here's to all the awesome, strong women out there. May we know them, may we be them, and may we raise them. Sisters and comrades, dare to struggle. Dare Dare to win. win. If you don't, You you lose.
Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.